Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. All right, so we're going to try and sort uh, Samson's line out. Um, while we try and do that, we, we have asked uh, Professor Fielding to speak to us a bit earlier, and then we'll we'll swap the times around. But he's been very gracious and has agreed. Professor Beatrum Fielding, virologist, director of research and development at the University of the Western Cape. Welcome back, Prof. Thank you so much for making the time. Good afternoon, Pamela. So we are now on level one. Are you? How do you feel about that, <laughs> Pamela? You know that I, I was never a fan of of this lockdown. Yes, I remember um, that very well. So, so now we're seeing a num a decrease in numbers, mm-hmm. and now we're moving to level lockdown one. I'm I'm still not concerned about total numbers. Um, for me, the deaths are still important. And we are seeing a drop in deaths as well, importantly. Professor Fielding, I am slightly, you know, behavior is also something that we have to look at because you keep re-emphasizing this. Sometimes we we don't really know for sure if it's because of behavior um, that we are seeing the drop or, or what is it? Is it our immune system or what's happening? I, I worry sometimes, and I've seen this over some time, that as the levels drop, so does our guard. And and. That, Pomelo, is the biggest problem. Um, I'm, my, my, you know, I'm very worried about we dropping our guard as well with the vaccines um, on South African shores now. Okay. Um, I just saw data this morning for Johnson & Johnson where they're saying 82.2% uh, of people are protected from severe disease and only 65% of people are protected from all disease. Um, so, you know, mild and moderate. Mm, mm. And then we need to keep in mind that with these vaccines and with all of them thus far, you still become infected and you could still spread the virus. So uh, keeping our behaviors yes. where it should be is even more important now, I believe. Yeah. And, and, and so that's just for me the issue. Um, with with that in mind, and we've touched on this a little bit last week as well, we, we are heading to Easter and and I don't know, you know, that we are going to find ourselves um, safe. And I'm not sure what, what medical advice there is, actually, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm worried about Easter and the, the long weekends coming up as well. Mm. Uh, we've seen that in December, for instance, the second wave. Mm. If you look at the data, it was very clearly linked to the movement of people between provinces. And people um, congregating in larger groups. Mm-hmm. So if we have the same and we do not have, have the control measures in place, I would not be surprised to see a third wave, smaller than the second one. You think so? I, I think it would be. I think um, we have now seen, according to estimates, uh, between 20 and 60% of people infected. I don't think it's 60. Yes. I think we're closer to 20 and 30% of people. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, I think, enough um, people being vaccinated. And, and this links with the point I've been trying to make for a year now. Mm. I'm not worried about numbers. Mm. I'm worried about protecting those at risk of severe COVID. And I think we would see an increase in number in the third wave. But I certainly hope that I'm right, that we will not see a drastic number in, in deaths again. And, and that would make me happy. You were saying something about your concerns around the vaccine. Yes. Um, all of these vaccines uh, show that you still have, you can still be infected and you can still spread the virus. 
So in essence, and this sounds very bad, mm-hmm. so between inverted commas, mm. we have created asymptomatic potentially spreaders now. Yeah. Okay. So in other words, just hypothetically, if we use a scenario here, so your mom, who's a nurse and has gone off and gotten the vaccine, right? Yeah. Is in contact with other patients. Mm-hmm. Is is going to be asymptomatic because they've had the vaccine, but that doesn't mean that they may not themselves spread the virus. And that's the sad part. That's what because, I'm hearing. That's so, that's so, a difficult. So part. researchers researchers are saying because you you protected from severe COVID, mm. your viral load, so the number of viruses mm. in your body is much lower. Lower. So we which yeah. means that you you're not you're not a really good source for spread, but you certainly still can. And and that sometimes mean you're not necessarily detectable? Yes, exactly. Wow. Wow. Remember, if we're saying that between 30 and 60% of people in South Africa have been infected and they've recovered, but if you look at our numbers that were actually tested and found positive, Mm. a huge difference between those two. So if you're asymptomatic or very mildly symptomatic, Mm. you're not going to be tested. In fact, if you are comp- if you are asymptomatic, asymptomatic, we are not even going to count you as a risk. You go you go ahead with you your life immediately because you just don't know there's anything wrong. Well, Felix is calling us from the Free State. Hi, Felix. Hello, Felix. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. I don't know if Felix's line is giving him a bit of a problem. Felix, are you uh, there? No. no. I'm there, yes. Okay, go ahead, Felix. Yes, I wanted to ask, uh, uh, can COVID uh, repeat attack a person who has been uh, quarantined after recovering? And uh, how long does it attack him after the recovery? And what causes the attack? Is it more severe after you've recovered or it's uh, less severe than that the first time? Hold on, Felix, don't leave. I think we need a bit more specifics. Were, were you in quarantine? Were, was it you uh, we were talking about? Yeah, I'm just uh, asking because I, I was in quarantine sometime in mm. January. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to know if COVID can uh, repeat uh, attack me. And is it more severe on the second time yeah. than the first time? F- Felix, I'm hearing you driving. You are not in yeah. quarantine right now, are you? No, 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 I'm not. Yeah, so that's, that's over. The fact that you were in quarantine at the time doesn't help you now, uh, Prof? No, so, so, so that's a, a multifaceted question, and it's a very important question because I think there's some confusion to this. Mm. If you've been in quarantine and you tested positive, then government would say self-isolate and quarantine for 10 days, and then you should be clear. We do know from scientific data that certain people can still be infected and infect others 28, 30 days later. Mm, mm. We also know, we we are not sure, and I said this from January, February last year, if you're infected, there is no conclusive proof yet that you can be reinfected. I've always speculated that you would be able to be reinfected about a year later. I haven't seen that data yet. I know that Lots of researchers are saying there is some evidence now in South Africa as well. I haven't seen conclusive data yet. And then very, very important is a concept known as long COVID Mm. or long haul COVID. Mm. And here the person does not necessarily, it appears as though the person does not have the virus. They're not infective to others, but they still have bad symptoms. 
And this, in my, in my opinion, is damage to the body organs because of COVID and the body is still recovering and that's where you still feel COVID-like symptoms. And about 6% people up to two months longer can still have long COVID. But, Prof, you've, you've mentioned this before and you've unpacked it to say that sometimes if your viral load is low and we do not detect it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are you don't have COVID. So when he goes back for that test again, there's no guarantee that while the viral load is low, it means that he's free of COVID. And that's unfortunately the problem for Melo. Yeah. And that's why governments worldwide have said self-isolate for 10 to 12 days after the first symptoms appeared because the average person clears the virus in about 10 to 12 days. But there are some good studies that have shown when they use sophisticated laboratory techniques, some patients up to 28, 30 days still have the virus. Mm. Felix, but the average person is about 12 days, 10 to 12 days. Felix, I think the most important thing is that I, I'm assuming you went to got, you got tested and it came negative. How are you feeling? What's the body saying? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. Uh, I don't have any pains on my body mm. or, or any cough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay now. I and guess, Felix, yeah, Felix ahead, even, if you, even if you do become infected uh, later this year or next year, the chances of you having even worse symptoms is very, very small. So the symptoms should be much less similar to what we see with the vaccine. Okay, can I ask uh, a last question? Yes, go ahead. Yes, instead of... Um, Vaccines. I've noticed that uh, uh, sometimes you can't. Uh, you've got a dry cough. Mm. Isn't there a research where they are um, making pills or medication that softens the 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 chest, other than the medications that we have? You know, previously you would have mucus and you 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 have to to take it out from the nose. The COVID is not doing that. It's going down inside the lungs. So isn't there any medication that is being made just to reverse that, which is not a vaccine? Thank you. I will listen on the radio. Thanks, Felix. So, Felix, you need to remember that the vaccine protects your body by preparing your immune system so when the virus does come, the body can fight it almost naturally. Drugs that you're talking about will treat... Um, the virus by killing the virus and we, we do have some drugs one that is used in, this, in the United States for instance Remdesiva and Remdesiva is an anti-HIV drug uh, so we do have those drugs they are just not routinely used because of the cost and then I also think because of the impact it potentially has on the HIV population if uh, the drug uh, runs out because it's used oh, for COVID. See. I see what you mean. I see. And and is that drug being used for HIV patients in South Africa? Yes, it is. Mm. In fact, I just see an article last week where they were saying the United States were stocking up on remdesivir. Again. Just as though they did with the vaccine. Depriving us. Okay. Pastor Duma, let's not get into politics. Hi, Pastor Duma. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Duma, hi. Preach. I'm not going to preach at all, Professor and Pamela. I'm not going to preach <laughs> All I want to ask is, okay, we are given one plus one in math and when I get in grade one or grade zero, grade R, Mm -hmm. one plus one is two. Mm -hmm. A is this uh, uh, um, vaccine. Mm -hmm. It should give me the answer 
to my being vaccinated. It mm. should solve the problem. Mm-hmm. However, it's causing confusion. The question is, why do you something that's going to cause so much confusion? We've got ivermectin. Ivermectin seems to be getting better results. Absolutely, totally. However, uh, Professor, I would absolutely appreciate your, your, your instincts on this question. Could this not just be an economical, medical warfare? I'll listen on the radio. Uh, don't leave. You, you, I'm holding you, on. So don't listen on the radio because you've just right, left. I'm holding. You've yes. just left a very big question. A prof fielding? So I'm not going to touch on the politics. Yeah. Um, but ivermectin, I've said for about a month now, I've seen some data where researchers have looked at um, and analyzed studies of ivermectin. The studies that I've seen appears to be good. Ivermectin has been used as an antiparasitic drug for a very long time. So we have safety profiles, and we have long-term safety profiles. It's not registered in South Africa yet. I believe you can get it for compassionate use. Yes. The vaccine, uh, vaccines potentially could work, but we need to keep in mind as well that vaccines do not protect everybody 100% of the time. And what does the vaccine actually protect you from? For all COVID vaccines at the moment, it seems as though it protects you very, very well from severe COVID. Forgive me, Professor, forgive me, Pamela, forgive me. But I think we, this, the vaccine is a guesswork. We are guessing. We don't have absolute proof it's going to work. We are still on trials and we are using human beings to do trials. And yes. this thing has no conclusive Pastor evidence Duma. that it's going to heal us. Pastor Duma, yes. a few things. There's more than one vaccine, right? Yes, yes. And secondly, you don't yes. have to take the vaccine. If you feel so strongly about the vaccine, why do it? But Pamela, all yes. I'm saying also to you. And, and the, the third professor, thing, the third yes. thing yes. is that nobody said it's an absolute science. Nobody said we're absolutely guaranteed not to get it. Mm, nobody there, said that. There lies my problem. I take my car to a garage. Mm. They say they're going to fix my car. And they say to me, I'm not going to guarantee that I've fixed your car. Then it's a dud. That's why people have a choice not to use it. Professor Fielding? So, so I hear what the caller is saying, and he's correct. We do not have long-term safety data. We do not know how long the antibodies generated or the immune response will last. Those are very important questions. Short-term, six to eight months, there is antibodies that, that is uh, produced, and there is protection. And that's why I've always said we should not look at vaccines only. Let's combine vaccines with safety measures, but also with those who are naturally infected. Explain to me why they should be taking the vaccine. We know more about their immune response than the vaccine. Let me beg you for the last time. I'm very sorry. But, Pamela, Mm -hmm. Professor, the thing is, we have ivermectin that we are all jumping up and down and saying we are almost there because of ivermectin. We are trying on the vaccine, but... We don't have conclusive proof on the vaccine that it's doing a job. Yet we are saying the ivermectin is doing a better job. And we're using buckets and blows of money on the vaccine and not on the ivermectin, which we are saying is closer to the thing. I will listen on the radio if you allow me, please, Pamela. Professor, I think you can finish your point. Go ahead. So, so I, I hear what the caller is saying. 
there is very good historical data for ivermectin use as an antiparasitic drug. There are small, conclusive studies, in my opinion, for use as an anti-COVID drug. But it's also only been tested in those small studies for about six, seven months. So we do not know more about ivervectin mm. for COVID mm. than we do for the vaccine. Mm. The information is probably about the same for the two. Mm. Very interesting. Very good point. Let's take a quick break. Um, I think it's uh, Ifan. Ifan in Cape Town. I'm going to come back to you after the headlines. Please, I beg your, uh, your indulgence. I've got to go to the headline. It is 1.30. Let me go to Zolika Kladashi for the very latest. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.3 FM in Rustenburg. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Thanks, Prof, uh, for being so kind with your time. Thank you for staying with us. Um, I think before I go to Irfan, I, I just wanted you to just conclude the point you were making about the fact that w- when we compare ivermectin and the vaccine, we need to also be careful what we're comparing about the studies that are available. Exactly. And, um, you know, we we know that in cells in the laboratory, ivermectin stops the replication of the virus. So the virus cannot make more of the virus. And it seems in patients it has anti-inflammatory action. But we really do not understand how it fights uh, COVID-19 yet. So that needs to be clarified as well. I do think it was a huge step to say that it can be used for compassionate use. Mm. Once again, I don't believe as a prophylactic drug, so to stop being infected. Mm. But in severe cases, I would fully support it. Mm, very interesting. Irfan, thanks for your patience. Hi. Pleasure, Pamela. No problem. Mm. Hi to you and to Prof and all the listeners, uh, Pamela. Yes. Um, uh, my first question is, uh, I just want to find out from Prof uh, if he can um, guide me. I've been diagnosed with a COVID, uh, um, COVID pneumonia, uh, severe COVID pneumonia. Mm. I was hospitalized. Mm. Uh, doctors did tell me, however, it would take some time. Uh, I have been to my physician to do a follow-up and uh, he did a um, lung function. Mm. Um, I'm not yet 100%, I'm getting there. Mm. Uh, my question though would be, um, I need to go for some uh, tests of which I'll need to be admitted to uh, to do those tests, of um, uh, gastro uh, mm. uh, tests. So uh, my question was, I need to do a further, uh, they want me to, because I'm going to be admitted, I have to go for a COVID test again. What happens if I am positive, if they find them, so uh, can it likely be so that I'm positive? Professor Fielding? So Irfan, you should not be positive, especially if you've been discharged from hospital. The, the tests really are now to look at what type of organ damage mm. you have. Mm. And very often okay. it's not that severe. But I think this is what gives rise to long COVID. So they need to test okay. the heart. They need to test the, okay. the lungs, the, the okay. GIT, the gastrointestinal tract, the kidneys. Mm. But you should yeah. not be positive now. Mm. Okay. When you and say uh, you, fun- Do I have to take the test then? Or can I just say I had it before? Or do I just want to take a precaution before I get admitted? Irfan, remember, um, to get into hospital, you need to be tested because mm-hmm. there are other people that need to be uh, protected as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Irfan, when you're saying you're not 100%, what symptoms are you feeling now? 
I still have the um uh, uh, the like tiredness, mm. lethargic, mm. and um. Uh, my breathing has improved quite considerably, although the doctor did do a lung uh, function. Mm. Uh, we, he, he, it's not yet 100% to his satisfaction, mm -hmm. but uh, he says um, he put me on some medication, um, some Bicot and things like that, you know, just to, to, to help me get better quicker. How long ago was this Irfan? I was diagnosed, I was positive, I tested positive the 21st of December. And I uh, was for a month long sick, and then I was hospitalized uh, the 26th of Jan until mm -hmm. uh, after New Year, till about the 4th of Jan. I was uh, admitted because I had problems breathing. Mm -hmm. And sure. uh, after that, I was discharged and I had to isolate further. Uh, I must say, I'm over the worst. I'm much sounds better like than it. I was. Sounds like it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your call, Irfan. Thank you. Pamela, one more before yes. I go. Uh, Prof, your take on aspirin should, because there's so much um, stories and things one listens and go after people. I did ask my doctor. He told me it's up to me. Uh, would you said, uh, recommend taking aspirin like every alternate day just so that your blood doesn't thicken? Or does that, should I rather have it uh, checked out from a physician's point or what? Check out from a physician's point of uh, view, Irfan. The, the okay. blood thinners and the steroids are used to prevent blood clots mm. and okay. hyperinflammation. And that's typically while you're infected. What you okay. have, and like I said, I am a researcher, not a medical doctor. Yes, what you yes, sound, what you sound, sounds typical what we hear and see for long COVID. So the person doesn't okay. have the virus but they still have these lingering systems, mm. uh, symptoms. And this is not unique to COVID. Mm. 1918, for, for instance, there was not just thing as long flu, mm. where okay. they also had symptoms persisting. So unfortunately, it sounds as though you have long COVID. All right. All Thank the you best, so much. Irfan. Thank you so much for Thank calling. You, Mike is in the Eastern Cape. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon. Hi, welcome. Yeah, yeah thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I would want to know if there's an alternative to the jab, like the oral vaccination. <laughs> How far are we from? You know what Prof Mike is asking? Yes. He's too scared of the needle. Vaccine? He's too scared of the needle. Pamelo, can you please have compassion for us, gentlemen, who are scared of needle? You know, no, before no, you spoke, no, Mike, the let, me, so, let me tell you something. When how, Mike how spoke, hmm. when Mike started speaking, I was about to say, my goodness, what a strong voice. <laughs> uh, Mike, I'm going to stop right now. So would you like little drops, Mike? <laughs> Mike, Mike, you want drops? <laughs> you would like some drops. Yeah, I mean, it's an alternative to the, to the job. <laughs> Prof, I'm going to keep quiet. Go ahead. Thank you, Pamela. <laughs> so, so, Mike, there are hundreds of vaccine candidates in various um, clinical uh, phase trials. The ones oh. that we have and the one that's still coming, that, that is very close to end of phase three. As far as I know, they're all jabs. So the two of us will have to suffer in peace if we take the vaccine. Oh, Okay. 
<laughs> Mike, Mike, um, call us when you are about to go get the jab. Okay, we can hold your hand through it. Okay. Barry, I promise I'm not going to laugh at you. Barry is calling from East London. Hi, Barry. <laughs> Hello, Barry. Today, today. Thank you, man. <laughs> Welcome. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I just want to ask the professor, um, when is the ideal and correct time to use the ivermectin? Should, should one use it uh, before you get the virus or should one use it when you get the virus? Okay. Um, professor, basically, legally now, it's up to your physician, right, to no. make that call? And Pamela, you know, that is what worries me the most about ivermectin at the moment. Yeah. Uh, people have been buying it from uh, uh, cooperations yeah. and, yes. and vets. Yeah. Those have not proven to be safe. It, there can be components in there that can't, can be harmful. Mm. But please oh, okay. work and speak to your primary healthcare provider about so, the use of ivermectin. So would the would our normal house GPs mm. or or like your medicross uh, yeah. your medical centers would they have the ivermectin medication available? Um, are they allowed to import as far as I know, but have the conversation with them. Please. Yeah, they would be All the right. ones who can has, assist you, Barry. And 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 the ones that everybody is talking about that is being bought from the um, from the animal health mm. clinics. Mm. That ivermectin for animal yes. use. Everybody is taking that. It's illegal. That one is registered in South Africa. I'm concerned because some of those contain components that has not been for shown sure. to be safe for humans. Mm. I know really? that people apparently have been using it for a while. Yes. But I wow. would be very, very cautious about you that. You know what it's like, uh, Barry? You yes. remember, uh, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but there was a time when people used to use Bob Martin. Yes, so basically, yes, yes. nobody's going to tell you it's right. It's not okay. Um, yes, yeah. uh, but it, I think you're an adult, and I know you know what's yes. wrong and what's right. I yeah. think well, well, this, this ivermectin that's been bought from the animal health clinics, everybody no. seems to be using. I know personally of doctors, uh, friends of mine were doctors who were actually using it, you know, and, 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 and they've consented the. Uh, for the use of it, but I'm I'm just really of when is the correct time to take it. It, it would specifically it be, no. It would be specifically for your own symptoms and your condition. I see. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Barry. Thanks so much. It's eh? a tricky one, eh, Prof? It's yes. a really tricky one. This one. It is, Pamelo. You know, I've I've seen the data, mm. um, scientific data, and and I see what the potential is. Mm. But we, you know, we have um, rules and regulations yeah, we need to in be South Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think we're also not speaking of the side effects and the risks yeah. associated yeah. with the wrong type of ivermectin that people are consuming. And that's and what you know, we're not discussing. And you know what is even worse, Pamela? Mm. What we could create is a black market. Yep. Then what is the quality of the ivermectin? Mm-hmm. Is it even ivermectin? Mm. And the dose. Mm. There are specific doses specific that the researchers are speaking about. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to I'm going to let you go. I think you need to rush um, because I think you you have to rush. Uh, is it anonymous? Anonymous is calling from Rustenburg. Before I let you go, Prof. Anonymous, hi. Good afternoon, Pamela and the professor. Hi. G- welcome to the show. Go ahead. I just want to know from Prof. Are the rules around the COVID-19 varies from country to country? The reason why I'm asking is recently we had the Zimbabwean president Emerson Mnangagwa urging all people to take their vaccine. 
So those who are not going to take the vaccine in future, they are not going to get even jobs or they are not going to board even the subco buses like the those paras, that parasite of bus company. Yes, Anonymous. Uh, countries have got um, different rules for how they are going to conduct politically what they do with, with, yeah. with, with the regulations. And I'll give an example. There is another country where they are not at all going to administer any vaccines. The, 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 the president has made it very clear that there are no vaccines allowed in that country. So, so here, people are at liberty to decide for themselves. It's, yeah. it's different for everybody, uh, Anonymous. So, um, politically how it's managed it's not the same as what what the sciences say you see what i'm saying there are two different distinctions there and, and pamela could i just yes. add maybe yes please i think for anybody to decide whether they will take the vaccine or not uh, you need informed consent mm. this is you need to know the positives of using it and the negatives and you really need to sit down and say what is my risk of developing severe covid what are the potential um, side effects of this of the vaccine? If it's not me at bigger risk, do I live with somebody that's at higher risk? And once I weigh up all of those, I then decide whether I take the vaccine or not. Thanks, Anonymous. Anonymous. Thank you very much, Anonymous in Rustenburg. Prof, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. Thank it's you. A pleasure.